Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Believe in SDSU Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network. It's a place with a show for every team in San Diego and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this episode, we're going to go talk about the changes made to the net rating, what net rating even is, what was changed, and how that impacts both men's and women's basketball. So without further ado, here we go. And as always, if you enjoy the show, please drop a rating on iTunes. We are also available wherever podcasts can be found. So there was a a release by the NCAA yesterday, May 12th, announcing a change in their evaluation system. It used to be called the RPI, and in 2018, they changed it to the NCAA evaluation tool, otherwise known as NET. And it's something that we've discussed uh, briefly in the past when we're recapping games, but in just two short years, they've made changes each time. So just wanted to dive a little bit into that today. Um, moving forward with the 2020-2021 season, the net, uh, the tools or the factors that get into the overall net rating has been reduced to just two components from the original five that was out there. And we're going to talk about the original five and what it was to kind of provide some context. So net rating was comprised originally... <laughs> I make it sound like it's happened like years ago or like back in the eighties and excuse me, speaking of the eighties, um, the fact that Wilson is the new basketball of the NBA now versus, uh, Spalding. I really hope that they bring back those evolution basketballs. And I wonder if that has any change. Um, no, I don't think so. I wonder if that has any change with college basketball, but I doubt it. I think they're just probably still using Nike. Uh, nevertheless, um, shout out to uh, Wilson Evolution Ball specifically because those are the best. Anyway, going back to net rating, the original five components was winning percentage, adjusted winning percentage, scoring margin, team value index, which we'll reference as TVI, and an adjusted net efficiency rating. So you may ask, what is the difference between winning percentage and an adjusted winning percentage? Well, winning percentage is something that we all know and is used across all sports. It's basically gathering the total number of wins and dividing that by the number of games played. Simple. Basically, one of the factors was just taking into account how many games you won. That's essentially what all that is. Adjusted winning percentage takes into account location and the result. So we'll talk about what with wins first. If you win on the road, it would be counted as a 1.4. If it was neutral, obviously the win would just be as a 1 or a plus 1. And if you win at home, it would be plus 0.6. And it's the reverse effect of losses. So if you lose on the road, it's not as weighed as heavily. It's a minus 0.6. And if you lose on a neutral court, it's a minus 1, fair and square. And if you lose at home, it's the home losses are minus 1.4. So effectively, what this is saying is factoring into 
home court advantage, specifically gearing for um, the the bigger name teams, whoever they play against, maybe some weaker competition. Obviously, it's pretty certain that they would win, and um, it's just weighted differently. So then, road wins are um, are considered a little bit greater in this regard. So similar to uh, winning percentage, but you might see some percentage point differences just based on their performance, but it's still overall, how did you win? And now it's just, where did you win? Third, scoring margin. We all know that. How much did you win by? Done. Team value index, TVI. So all the NCAA ever released in 2018 was just saying that it takes a look at game results and it factors in the opponent, the location, and the winner. And it gets generated into a team value index score, which on paper makes sense. The questions I have are just how everything is weighted. If we're speculating here and looking into adjusted winning percentage, I would imagine they would favor road wins um, more greatly and the reverse effect of home losses. But I also guess it depends on who they're playing and where. So um, I think it's a fancy way of saying it's, again, taking a look at uh, results. And that leaves us with net efficiency rating. So the net efficiency rating takes a look at the difference between the offensive rating and defensive rating of any given school. And they're both fairly similar. Um, basically, the the way we normally look at offensive rating is the higher the number, the better, and then it's the reverse for defensive rating, the lower the number, the better. But one may ask what goes into calculating either rating. Well, for offense, it takes into account and I'm going to use the Aztecs as an example, the number of field goal attempts the Aztec puts up, subtract the number of offensive rebounds we're able to gather, add the number of turnovers, add the number of free throw attempts, which is multiplied by almost half, 0.475, and that equals the quote-unquote number of possessions. You take the total number of points, divide that by the number of possessions, and you get your offensive rating. So... In this instance, um, the number of possessions, it becomes the denominator. Mathematically speaking, you want a lower number, which means the higher, more amount of offensive rebounds you get and the less number of turnovers you get and the greater amount of free throw attempts you have. Um, it just, well, I guess free throw attempts, if it's almost being halved, it doesn't necessarily have the same effect. But essentially, keep the turnovers down, get yourself more possessions and that should help with your offensive rating and total and score a lot of points. And it's, it's effectively the same calculation, but just reverse for defensive rating. So it's your opponent's field goal attempts minus the number of offensive rebounds your opponent can get. You add the number of turnovers your opponent has or that you cause. You add the number of uh, free throw attempts by the opponent again multiplied by the same factor of 0.475 and it's just strictly for the opponent free throw attempts it's not taking everything or the sum of what it is at that point 
and that equals the total number of opponent possessions becomes a denominator. So total points that the opponent has divided by the number of opponent possessions and you get your defensive rating. So those are the five factors, two different um, winning percentages, a scoring margin, team value index or TVI and net efficiency rating or adjusted net efficiency rating. So out of the five, which are the two that they kept? Two remaining factors are TVI and adjusted net efficiency rating. So what does that mean? To me, it feels like it takes less of a weight of the result of the game since you're removing two different winning percentage calculations and you're removing scoring margin. So you're looking less at the result and you're looking more at how you did. You still have TVI that factors in the result, but now the scales are a little bit more even. Um, and it takes into account just sort of how a team performs in a game, more so than it used to before. And how does that impact the Aztecs? Well, NCAA said that the men's and women's committees will be using the same metric moving forward. So specifically with the men, this recent wave of offense is going to definitely help as we're traditionally known to have a per, of a solid defense. So that net efficiency rating should turn out a pretty good number. Um, what we have to watch out for, um, outside of last season, obviously that was the, um, what am I trying to say? The outlier. I want to say there's about one to two games, home games, during conference play every year where the Aztecs either got to a slow start, get into foul trouble or a combination of the two, and we're just not able to knock down enough shots. And we lose a couple games or have a chance of losing a couple of games at home when we're not supposed to. And we even saw it this year when we lost to UNLV. We should have won that and a couple of games that we should we kind of got off to a slow start with for the women's team i think that the theme for me um, on my recaps with them this past season was just the number of turnovers and it would be great to sort of cut that number down um, on the flip side the women's team are is great at knocking down free throw attempts so i wonder with this if there was any influence that these um that this change would have on the women's team this in terms of strategy. I wonder if this means that they would try and um, increase the pace of play. You know, typically it's uh, we're, we push it if we have to, otherwise we get into our sets, but I'm wondering if there's going to be more of a free flowing offense to try and boost the total number of possessions and try and increase our offensive rating. Obviously that means that, that also increases the number of possessions for the opponent. So it's not like that's the cure-all. You're going to still have to find ways to get offensive rebounds, um, try to get the turnovers while cutting down your own, get to the free throw line while not fouling. It just becomes a snowball effect. So honestly, I don't think it's going to really change much, but I wonder if those discussions are even taking place. But I just wanted to cover net rating real quick for this episode um, to kind of share what to expect moving forward. I'm glad that both committees are using this metric. We can apply that across the board. 
And I'm looking forward to hopefully having a 2020-2021 season. Um, I'm in California, and we just got told of three more months of the stay at home. So wherever you are, wherever you may be listening, I hope that you are safe and well. And until next time, go Aztecs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.